Hello and welcome to the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, brought to you by Swan Bitcoin, the best way to buy and learn about Bitcoin. I am your host, Alex Danzig. We're excited to announce that we are bringing the Cafe Bitcoin Conversation Twitter Spaces to you on this show, the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast, Monday through Friday, every week. Join us as we speak to guests like Max Kaiser, Lynn Alden, Thomas Strolight, Corey Clipston, and many others from the Bitcoin space. Also, be sure to hit that subscribe button to make sure you get notifications when we launch a new episode, or you can join us live on Twitter Spaces, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern, every morning and become part of the conversation yourself. Thank you again. We look forward to giving you the best Bitcoin content daily here on the Cafe Bitcoin Podcast. Good morning, Sentu co-host. Shane in the audience, good morning. Mike Hobart, good morning. AJ Nobody with the best profile pick in Twitter. Good morning. Rafe, good morning. KP Higgs, Yassine, good morning. Zombian, Red Canoe, Fern. You guys are awesome. You know, the diehards show up right at the beginning. No messing around. Holy shit, man. Some amazing things happening. I'm so stoked. I can't even stand myself right now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Next week is going to be amazing. Monday, we got Svetsky coming. Tuesday, we've got Lawrence Lepard and Andy Edstrom. We got Don Huffines coming on Wednesday, thanks to Shane and his awesomeness, his son too, Russell. And then on Friday, we got Crypto Couple and BTC Sessions. I've never hung out with Crypto Couple before, but damn, they're funny. And acknowledge uh, Bitcoiner Jobs out in the audience. Good morning. If you haven't followed uh, Bitcoin or Jobs and you want to work in the industry, you should throw them a follow. Always posting new jobs in the space. By the way, the other big space that's happening this morning is hosted by um, Real Vision. You know what we should do? We should all retweet the space get everybody in here and let's blow those guys out of the water. Why? Because real vision sucks and rug pal is old sucks, sucks. Rug pal. (laughs) What a shit coin shiller that guy turned out to be, man. I'm very disappointed in that dude. I, I, he always kind of came across to me as a little sketchy though. I always had a, my gut feeling about people is usually right on. And it turned out in this case. Yeah. Who, who makes their investment decisions based upon how nice someone is to them? That, that's crazy. No, it ain't based upon how nice, man. It's all about pre-coin gifting. What about, what about making that claim that you opted out of an investment because someone wasn't nice to you and the whole time you're sticking a knife in the back of everyone who's taking their advice by pulling them and recommending lousy investments to them? How's that for treating people? You know, there's a term for this. Like people who've been around finance for a long time know what this is. It's called a pump and dump. 
we, you know, you get you get insider shares and you get insider pre-coin or pre-mined coin. And then retail comes in, you dump your bags, man. You make shit tons of cash and you exit. And you don't care but, about what happens to all the people that you just suckered into that that play. Like it's dude, ugh. Yeah, hundred percent. You know, at, at the risk of someone, you know, I would just say, I was reminded by Real Vision spokesperson of another person I knew in life. So I may have made a leap to a conclusion. I don't want to claim that it's the same, but of another person I knew in life who was essentially duplicitous, who was charming and and made you feel that they were they were your friend and that they were on your side. And then when you weren't looking, when I wasn't looking, they were stabbing a knife into my, into my back. And this is uh, called I, a knight, uh, this is car, this is called a narcissistic psychopath. These people exist. This is what I've been trying to teach everybody is that these people exist. Most yeah, normal people don't want to believe they exist, but well, they're I all around us, man. I did not believe that this was possible until I experienced it myself because this person seemed so nice and friendly and agreeable and intelligent. And I, when I found out the truth, I was shocked. And the damage that they did to me was extraordinary. Um, yeah. And the, I don't think they felt any guilt over it. And they continued to no, charm other people, in, other people in the circles that I was traveling in to the point where once... Once I cut my ties with this person, I was still with friends getting together and they were saying, would you like me to invite this person to our dinner? And I'm like, no, I don't ever want to see this person again in my life. This is all well. All of these traits are actually super well documented. I've encountered two of these people in my life at a very close proximity. I mean, I was involved with these people. And it's like not until you become closely involved with these people do you really realize what you're dealing with and then even then you don't understand it unless you study it and so dsm-5 man all of these traits the lack of empathy the manipulation the ability to be charming and amazing and all that kind of stuff and then they uh absolutely man all those traits are alex they're taking they're taking advantage of the same dynamic as uh predators in nature like the because like they're nice, it's the same concept as like because somebody's beautiful, we don't want to imagine them as a predator. It's the same exact dynamic, and they're taking advantage of that kind of desire because they're nice. People want to believe that they're that they're good people. It's really unfortunate. There, there's also a distortion, uh, and this is what the oh, Bitcoiners aren't nice thing. It's like there's an attempt to tell to gaslight you by telling you that you're the immoral person in this relationship. Right? Like you've done nothing wrong. You've told right. the truth and, and you're being vilified for telling the truth because the truth isn't nice. Let's, let's tell white lies or nice lies about something. Let's not say that NFTs are worthless JPEGs. Let's say that they're worthwhile because I'm selling them to you. Like, and the vilification of the truth tellers is, is in that kind of an added bonus of, duplicitous dishonest uh behavior because it's not you're not just telling lies about the thing that you're pushing you're telling lies about the people who are trying to tell the truth about it right and just this yeah. mounting thing yeah. that, that gaslighting by the way that's also yeah. in dsm-5 these are all i mean the crazy thing about it is they all have the exact same characteristics lack of empathy gaslighting word salad um on and on there's a list of them but they all do the same thing. And if you notice, a lot of today's leaders in our institutions behave the same way. 
That's fascinating to me. Good morning, CK. Good morning, Stefan. Thank you both for coming to hang out. This is going to be an awesome time today. Hey, guys. Great to be here. I have no idea uh, how this subject came up, so uh, very interesting to wake up to this at <laughs> 7 a.m. We're talking about somebody. We're talking about another spaces that's going on by somebody who exhibits some of these personality traits and has admonished Bitcoiners and claimed that they don't own any Bitcoin because Bitcoiners haven't been nice to them. So this is the pre. This is the pre-show discussion, right? <laughs> Yeah, we always have a pre-show discussion. For the first 15 minutes, we just talk about what's going on in the world, right? So what's going on in my world is Real Vision and RugPal have the only other large space going this morning. And I suggested to everybody that the mission this morning should be to retweet this space. Let's blow this thing up and let's get more people in here than they've got because RugPal sucks. And then somebody was like, yeah, I think he's like a, I might, it might have been me that said he was a narcissistic psychopath. <laughs> I think it was me. <laughs> I, think, I think we all said it too. <laughs> to be honest, I just don't really pay attention to the guy very much. As yeah, you know, that's, that's probably that's appropriate. That's probably the appropriate response, yeah. Hey, you know, on this, on this note, I just shared in the nested tweet that I made this morning after the insight kind of hit me in its purest sense while I was on a podcast last night. And it's just... It's this notion, like Bitcoin is Bitcoin. Did we lose Tomer? Yeah, sorry. Was, um, my 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 phone rang. Let me let me come back. <laughs> let me try again, and hopefully nobody will. Let me just put "Do Not Disturb" on my phone so that they stop calling me. Um, do not disturb. Sorry. Um, I was saying Bitcoiners promote Bitcoin by telling the truth about it, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. They combat all false claims about it, both those intended to detract from it and any that make false promises. And this is what differentiates Bitcoin from crypto. I realized last night that the, all the crypto marketing is just that. It's like, you know, when Coca-Cola and Pepsi-Cola are in a marketing battle and they say, it'll make you prettier, it'll make you healthier, it's for the young generation, and it's, you will enjoy it. Like, these are all claims that aren't necessarily in any way rooted in reality. They're not just big enough lies that you can get prosecuted for false advertising. In crypto, the false advertising concern is gone because people hide behind these, uh, these entities that they create as, as crypto. But all of these cryptocurrencies that aren't Bitcoin don't talk about what's really true about them, right? They, they'll make these promises like, oh, you can own a JPEG or this thing is better than Bitcoin, it's smarter than Bitcoin, it, it runs smart contracts, it, it's the future of finance. They can just think of endless claims that all of these other things are making, but they're all these not true marketing claims. And then we get these big bubbles building up around the hype that all these things create. And then these bubbles burst and the dust, you know, and there's dust everywhere, like you can't see anything. And then when the dust clears, What's left is Bitcoin is still standing there, totally unaffected, totally true. Everything Bitcoiners said about it and ultimately about these other things is true. And we have another cycle that's repeated where all the lies of that cycle get washed away and Bitcoin is still standing true. And some new scheming form of deception it tries to uh, trick people in the space um, to think that there's something different and better than Bitcoin. And Bitcoin just makes a set of promises and delivers on them. 
And it's this unique invention that is capable of delivering on this promise of an uninflatable, unseizable, incorruptible money. We don't really need anything more than that, right? Um, anyhow, that's it's, it's kind of it's a simple yet profound point to me, and it explains why all these cycles keep happening because opportunists who fit in the uh, personality type description you you gave Alex um, do that, and and they're, it's a successful strategy for them for a time, but it always ends the same way. Um, I, I feel like I mostly agree with you, Tomer, but at the same time, like, I just kind of have, I, I, I really view the altcoin space from like three different, uh, pillars. Uh, the first pillar is that 99% of people haven't been educated on Bitcoin yet. So, um, they, <laughs> most people, like of all the people who you think like, oh my God, haven't they learned yet? It's like, okay, no, like 99% haven't. Uh, they haven't even like really touched the stove quite yet. Uh, two is those 99% of people are all operating on a fiat standard. So the way that they perceive incentives is like the diametric opposite to Bitcoin. Bitcoin is actually like unintuitive to them. Uh, and then lastly is that it's really effing lucrative to print money and to print assets. And I mean, if you really think about what JPEGs do or NFTs do is they make it they, it's like they make printing assets like something that's accessible to the lowest common denominator um so like previous icos DeFi tokens all these things like there's some level of like technical complexity in order to have the benefit of you know being able to print the money so nfts are kind of like that that next uh, easiest way so now if you're a celebrity you can print an nft you know, if you do some weird algo that creates some random, uh, you know, image to populate, you can print NFTs like it's really that easy. So I think it's really about printing money and then most of the people being fiat minded and uneducated about Bitcoin. Yeah, I don't disagree with any of what you said. Do you, do you feel that any of what I said is not compatible well, I, with what you just, just said? I would say, is, you know, I, was, I think like a lot of Bitcoiners attribute an enormous amount of malice where it's like really just an enormous amount of like no. people logically following the fiat yeah. incentives that are at hand. I have I and have human no nature. Right. I yeah, I mean, like the, the these are people, people acting within their incentive set, and like I, I think we should like have a lot more empathy. Is all I'm trying to say. Uh, so I, 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 I want to let me push back on one on that for one sec. I want to I want to make something clear. When it comes to people who fall on that end of the spectrum. I don't attribute malice at all. That's the that's the thing. These people are just wired that way, and that's what most people don't understand. I'm not excusing it. I'm just saying I don't think it comes from a place where they're trying to be evil. They're just set up a certain way that's not like everybody else. And this is something that I've observed over my entire life, and it's amazing because these people are able to hide in full sight in plain view. And they're all over the place. It's, it's, there's a, <laughs> I know that sounds outside the Overton window for most people. I'm just, it, it's hard to believe unless you come into really close proximity to one, like get involved with one romantically or they're a family member or something like that. For, unless you've been that close to one, they look like just like everybody else and you'll never know the difference, really. 
and you have to study it to really understand it. I mean, there's there's volumes of books written about this topic. Go ahead, Tomer. Sorry, um, what I just wanted to clarify on my earlier point to CK is I don't attribute malice to the 99% of people who find themselves in this space who are being fooled. Um, no, I, I appreciate that that is, as you said, they come from a fiat mindset. They don't know any better. They haven't studied cryptography and economics and game theory and all these things. Like That is totally understandable that they are the victims at the end of the day of this thing who think that they're investing in exciting new technology and uh, and just haven't had the opportunity to do their own research, to do their own homework, to verify without trusting. So I totally recognize that. Um, but the, the instigators, the initiators of these things, they know what they're doing. And that's what I'm different. Yeah, I agree. There's probably a fractal that know what they're doing and a lot that are just useful idiots or useful geniuses or whatever. Well, and some of them, like you say, CK, are just, they're just trying to leverage and, and get the monies, right? They're not necessarily psychopaths. I was talking specifically. <laughs> we, we live in fiat clown world. Like, you got to have, like, that's, yeah, that sure. should be your baseline for assumption sure. of how people will operate. Yeah. And, and like, uh, you know, my view is they're, they're most likely just taking all the money that they're, taken from people all the liquidity that people are providing them and they're just buying bitcoin maybe that's what i like to think i don't have proof of that maybe i mean i, I know that people do like justin sun has an enormous amount of bitcoin i wonder why um never talks about bitcoin but he sure does stack it um yeah i, I mean i'm sure maybe a lot of people have are scamming for bitcoin a lot more scamming for dollars and fame and whatever else that's worth you know, getting in fiat clown world. Yeah, it's interesting. I might just add something there that some of them understand that Bitcoin is the real thing they should be accumulating and others of them seem to not actually understand and then speak about how they have lowered their position in Bitcoin and relatively gone harder into altcoins. So, you know, but I think to CK's point, it's that some of them are looking not necessarily in terms of SaaS, they're looking in terms of fame and other angles that they believe well said i like to think about the psychology of shit coiners a lot if you can't uh tell me too like i'm fascinated well just by behavioral psychology in general i love to study and kind of try to figure out why people are doing the things that they're doing i wish you guys could have studied me like 11 months ago <laughs> it took me eight months to figure it out myself <laughs> Well, you know, one one phenomenon. I'm gonna. I I have to hop another call for a few minutes, but I, I want to ask, bring up one phenomenon that strikes me as interesting, which is sometimes. And I, I remember some of us who are in this room were in another room a while ago that Tone Bays had hosted, and I found myself in, in charge of it, so I couldn't leave. Where we were talking to uh, people who were promoting NFTs as an as one example, and we were really talking past each other because we were trying to say, well, you, you realize technically you can't actually own a JPEG. There's no original of it. Every copy of it is indistinguishable from every, every other copy of it. And certainly, you know, if there ever was an original, it was the one that the artist created on their computer, which is no longer on their computer, but they've uploaded to the internet, which is which are copied. Yada, yada. And those people weren't really interested in any of these truths that we were trying to bother them with. They were interested in all subscribing to a narrative which didn't have to correspond to 
any physical truth or any any enforceable truth, right? It's like if if we all believe the narrative that you can own a JPEG and that there's an original of it and that it's that original is yours, then we can have this market around this. So it doesn't matter to us that it, that none of that is true. It's just we all want to subscribe to that belief. And I, I don't know if you'll recall, Alex, because I know for sure you were in that room. There was one person who angrily left the room said like you guys just believe that bitcoins belong to you and i believe that jpegs belong to me and i said well but i can right click your jpeg and make a copy of it and you can't right click my bitcoin and have a copy of them to, to yeah. spend and 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 so he abruptly left in anger saying you believe your truths i believe mine and it, that's kind of an interesting thing to me because his truths are falsifiable and my truths are verifiable but that didn't really seem to matter to him. And, and so that's kind of, I don't want to paint every uh, altcoin or with, with that with that brush, but it was kind of a shocking phenomenon to observe. And I realized, wow, I'm like, there's nothing, there's no point in convincing him or, or certain people of truth because they just don't have a view that truth exists outside a subjective collection of people who, whatever the truth is, whatever the truth they want to be, if enough of them agree with it, that's the truth. It's a very dangerous position, right? Um, someone was mentioning an Ayn Rand quote recently, which is like, uh, I'll, I'll butcher it a little bit, but it's like, any man is free to evade reality, but no man is free to evade the consequences of evading reality. Oh, that's and, good. Yeah. yeah, something to add just there. Um, obviously, I agree with you, Toma. And for some people, they're just not really thinking about it rationally. They just kind of get into an argument and they don't really have a good counter. So then they kind of fall back to the, oh, well, let's all just agree to disagree. But there are even deeper problems with the NFTs because with the JPEGs, we're seeing people now who are just making JPEGs of other people's artwork or of their music or of some other content, and they're not even the owner. And then it, then then you ask the next question, well, then, oh, should there be some kind of central person who authorizes and guess what we're back to the same problem right yeah, yeah. so i'm going to step away for a couple of minutes but i'll uh, rejoin shortly cool shane just wanted to add that <clears throat> i think another problem is a lot of people you know go so far down a, a path that that it becomes very difficult for them to either admit to themselves or accept the fact that you know they've gone down the wrong road and so, you know, maybe like a Peter Schiff or something like that. So uh, that's another dynamic in my mind that, that makes it hard for some people to, um, you know, get on the better path. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, even with Peter Schiff, it's like, man, I, I 50% think like we're being played. Um, like, there's just so many weird incentives at play. You know, you really can't take anyone at face value. Uh, and with, with the talk about like the problems with NFTs and NFT ownership and believing in narratives, you know, these problems, they stem from like the foundation of crypto. Like if you talk to people in crypto about like what makes 21 million, they'll say social consensus. Uh, and they think that anything within the crypto space is all controlled by social consensus, narrative people, you know, choosing together. Um, it, it's really all still kind of even rooted in this, like, uh, idea of, like, the majority get what they want, um, which is just a fundamental misunderstanding of Bitcoin because, uh, I mean, first and foremost, I would say that 21 is enforced by a network of, of 
hardware. Like this is a distributed network of computing uh, equipment across the globe. Uh, and there's uh, redundant copies of the ledger and there's a thermo there's a wall of thermodynamic energy that's being produced by distributed mining computers. That's what's that's what enforces the consensus. It's not uh, anything that is like voting or decision or narrative based whatsoever. Um, and I mean, as my colleague at Bitcoin Magazine, Pete Rizzo, wrote in his amazing Forbes article, um, the Bitcoin is the only cryptocurrency and you could potentially argue the only thing or institution in the world that like truly enforces the minority's rights, the minority down to a single wallet and a single signer um, in order to to have complete and total control of their UTXOs, uh, which is, you know, if you think about it, like that's absolutely not true with Ethereum, uh, with Ethereum. Uh, we, there's already the example of the DAO of the minority hacker who had their coins taken away from them, but there's the countless examples of the, the minority node that gets forked off the network every time they hard fork and there's nothing to stop. I mean, even again, their consensus mechanism of the future requires slashing, which is essentially like that guy's a bad person. We're taking away their money. (laughs) Like literally that is what slashing is like. They did something bad. They broke the consensus, you know, whatever. <laughs> We're taking away their money. So um, it really, it, again, I think like, and I would say all of this stems from like fiat and the fiat incentives. So uh, I, I really do calculate it all back to like crypto is a manifestation of fiatness, you know, <laughs> via, you know, the technology and the, the stack that Satoshi Nakamoto introduced to the world. Crickets. We like silence every once in a while. Am I back? I, I actually oh, Yeah, you're back. Okay, you're back. <laughs> uh, good morning, Ian. So, CK, uh, I I haven't had a lot of time to hang out with you, and I'm 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 excited because um, I want to know more about like your story. So you're like obviously a pivotal person or or a key person over at Bitcoin Magazine, and would you mind uh, telling a little bit about, you know, your Bitcoin story? I'd love to hear it. I'm sure, a lot, I don't know if you've told this before. Yeah. Uh, can you guys hear me? We yeah. Can. Cool. Yep, go go on. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, so my Bitcoin story, uh, I would say that I really came at Bitcoin from the perspective of personal finance. Uh, so 2017 doing sales at a software tech company, pretty much a surveillance marketing company, just to show like where I came from. Uh, And I was getting really into personal finance, playing the credit card game. Uh, You know, I read The Richest Man in Babylon, which is a really game-changing book for me. I would recommend it for anyone who hasn't read anything about personal finance. And I just really started... uh, getting into savings, started getting into investing. And just at the perfect time, a friend from a previous job called me up and was like, hey, this Bitcoin thing, you should really check it out. Uh, And that's probably like the third or fourth time I heard of Bitcoin.
but I'd never like actually looked it up. I was like, oh, Bitcoin, okay, whatever, it's a thing. Uh, but that time, <laughs> just because I was primed, I was like already kind of allocating some capital. I'd accumulated capital via my savings. Uh, and I, that weekend, it was, this is like fall 2017, I was driving to a wedding that was four hours away from San Francisco by myself. So I had plenty of time in the car to listen to every single Laura Shin episode on double speed. Uh, so I just like went through every single Laura Shin episode and this is like the depth of the block size war. So I'm jumping into, you know, episodes of like a, a core dev and someone who like represents one of the companies, uh, from the New York agreement, like debating about like, what should we do with the block size increase? So it's just like, you know, it went from like prime for Bitcoin into the depth of Bitcoin. Um, so that's how I kind of got into it. That very weekend, got home from the wedding, downloaded Coinbase, but I think it was like $500 of Bitcoin, $200 of Ethereum, $80 of Litecoin, because that was what was on Coinbase. Uh, and that was like the beginning of my journey. At that moment, I was pretty much completely obsessed. Uh, I ended up quitting my job, uh, I think like within three days of the Bitcoin top. Uh, so I quit my job to, you know, blog and get rich doing Bitcoin stuff on the internet, uh, three days from the top, uh, in December, like it was put in my two weeks, the two weeks before Christmas, which if you look at the, at the chart is like pretty much at, uh, I think it was like 19 K or whatever. So, uh, I think that that's pretty incredible in hindsight. Uh, but for Christmas, you know, came home looking like an idiot, just quit my job. Bitcoin was crashing. Uh, but the only thing I asked for Christmas was a ticket to the North American Bitcoin conference, which is a huge shitcoin conference. Uh, like I wish I'm so regretful. I didn't take a photo, but there was these like pop-ups of banana coin. And I just like, Oh my God, like I should turn that into an NFT. I'm, I, I can't lie. Like that is fucking money. Um, but yeah, I wish I took a photo of the banana coin posters, but I went to the North American Bitcoin conference, 2018, uh, met the, the guys at Bitcoin Magazine and BTC Inc. Shook their hand. I was like, San Francisco sales. Uh, and at the time, the CRO, he was really trying to build out like a really solid sales org. So he gave me his, uh, his card and he was like, hey, <laughs> give me a call. Uh, so uh, I managed to get the job two weeks later, have been with BTC Inc. ever since. Uh, and I guess just to backtrack a little bit, uh, I guess my journey through like, you know, buying $200 of Ethereum and $80 of Litecoin uh, and navigating the ICOs, I actually find myself, again, kind of because of previous experience, I got really lucky. Uh, and I got really lucky in that I had worked for enough shitty startups in Silicon Valley to realize that people print equity and fundraise for millions of dollars. And there's really not much behind it. Like, it's a bunch of bullshit. Yeah. So that happens a lot in Silicon Valley. So it didn't take that much for me to realize that a lot of these, like, ICOs were pretty much the equivalent of the shitty startups that I was working for, if not worse. Uh, and, like, they actually were far worse. They were far worse. And then on top of that, they're they're raising an order of magnitude more because they had a token. So uh, I just started Googling um, what is wrong with blockchain? What is wrong with tokens? And the only uh, the only two people that came up were Tone Vase and Ansel Lindner. 
so many of us know Tone Vase. Uh, he, you know, Tomer was talking about being in a space with him prior. Yeah, he was one of the very first people who were like pushing a Bitcoin maximalist position, you know, with a big audience. Uh, and then uh, Ansel Lindner, who is now my co-host uh, at Bitcoin Magazine's FedWatch, uh, he was just dropping like these epic, epic podcasts, just analyzing the market uh, on his podcast called Bitcoin and Markets. And he was also kind of like pushing a anti-crypto, anti-Ethereum narrative. And uh, it, then I started to like effectively find the Bitcoiners and it it did not take long for me to like realize that that's where the signal was. So uh, I think my journey from like I bought Ethereum to Bitcoin maximalism took about three months in 2017, which I have to pat myself on the back because uh, I kind of navigated that pretty quickly. But um, all in all, like, man, I got lucky. I, I got I found Bitcoin maximalism fast and then I started working for BTC Inc. when it was a shitcoin company, but pretty much within a year of it completely flipping to uh, a pure Bitcoin company. So, um, and I mean, I'm, I'm very happy to be at Bitcoin magazine and, uh, now I'm going to be moving to Nashville too. So, uh, the stars are just continue to align. Nice. I hear Nashville's awesome and just rocking. I, I I'm committed to making it the new Bitcoin capital of America. So sorry, Texans, but it's not you got the work cut out for you, bro. I guess like everybody wants to do that. <laughs> You know, you, you think, but they haven't been in Nashville yet. So it really, I don't think I do. Man, I hear the vibe and that like the energy in Nashville is amazing. Yeah, I mean, There's I can really tell you why. It's, it's actually there. positioned better than Austin, but, uh, you know, we can get into that later. Cool story, man. Like, I love <laughs> some of that stuff. Sounds like really, um, what's the word? unlikely to happen like what are the odds of all that stuff it's great so unlikely stars really aligned for me got lucky three months is a like you said a pretty quick transition if you start out with you know not not being all in already on bitcoin that, that that's pretty rapid that's cool i mean and the information sucks man like crypto scam from tone like the, da the dash episode you could barely even hear the audio let alone having like swan spaces every single morning. I'm really glad that uh, BTC Inc. shifted to Bitcoin only too. I mean, that's just super aligned with what swan is. And that is I, what you just said a little while ago. It is the signal. 100% agree with that. man. 100% agree. Yeah. No, I mean, I was a maximalist the entire time at the company. And uh, I remember when... When David Bailey published uh, "Make Bitcoin Fun Again" and you know announced internally that uh, we were going to kind of like uh, move away from all of the non-Bitcoin assets that we owned, uh, I called my boss uh, and I was like, "Finally, like, <laughs> finally, we like this is now my dream company." Uh, and then, I mean, really, you know, there's been a lot of up and down, but it's uh, it's pretty much been unwavering Bitcoin only since then, and. You know, I guess kind of crazy story about, you know, us going Bitcoin only in Swan. We went Bitcoin only at the end of 2018. So uh, after that, we held the Bitcoin 2019 conference in San Francisco. And at that conference is where uh, Corey uh, and the early members of the Swan team, uh, you know, started kind of scheming and and started building their business. So uh, it's, it's really kind of incredible how it all kind of connects. 
this might be getting a little cosmic for people, but I'm a big believer in divine providence and how things line up. I don't think things are accidents like that. Yeah, and I might just add something there as well. It was like at that time there was a, you know, it was a shift in like the narrative at that time because up until then there were all these quote unquote crypto VCs with their different thesis and there was you know the fat money's protocol and there was all these different ideas going around there and so people would look at Bitcoin and they would say oh that's just store of value that's just like that's the old little thing but you know I've got all these other coins right that was the that was the prevailing sort of narrative at the time now of course I disagreed with that. But that was the narrative. And, you know, as CK was saying, I noticed that as well with Bitcoin Magazine and BTC Media really shifting. And in fact, I, I think I did an interview with David Bailey around that time, just before Bitcoin 2019, talking exactly about that, like that shift of going Bitcoin, like really focusing on Bitcoin. And so it was a really, I guess, it's almost like you had to be there, right? Like maybe that's a cop out. But I think the way people think now, we almost take that for granted. Because back then, it really wasn't that common. Like, whereas now, this view of Bitcoin as the most sound money is a lot more popularized and understood now. I think it's fantastic. The amount of uh, education and information and that is available now versus, I don't want to say back in the day, I wasn't really a Bitcoiner in the early days. Um, I didn't really start really figuring it out until around 2019, but there just wasn't that much info in their, in the early days. And nobody knows that, but it's, it's thanks to people like you, Stefan and, um, you know, everything that Bitcoin magazine is doing and the people who have created so much great content, Tomer, you're all responsible for that kind of stuff. So thanks to you guys, uh, CK. Like what's on the roadmap for a Bitcoin magazine this year? Can you, is there anything you can share? Yeah, of course. Uh, so the uh, El Salvador edition was kind of us bringing back our print magazine uh, after a, a two year hiatus. And uh, we are coming out with another magazine. So uh, I'm not going to tease the name quite yet, but uh, there's some interesting complications uh, related to this magazine and what's going down with the truckers in Canada, uh, because we print this magazine in Canada. So uh, more will come out about that, as well as more details about the magazine itself. But that should be coming out next month. Uh, so that's really exciting. And as soon as that comes out, uh, Bitcoin 2022. So that's April 6th through the 9th. So uh, we're heads down working on the print, the next print magazine, heads down. Uh, working on the, the conference and, uh, of course, making Bitcoin Magazine happen every single day. So uh, it's, a, it's a fun grind, but uh, that's, that's really kind of, you know, the big things. I also want to make a big shout out to, uh, to Bitcoin Magazine Live. Uh, the, the guys over on our video team, they've been doing a like two to three hour stream every single day, uh, actually Monday through Thursday right now on YouTube and on Twitch. Uh, so that's really great content. FedWatch is on there. A lot of great interviews are on there. So I uh, wanted to give them a shout out too. So uh, that's happening right now, but also the print mag and the conference happening in the next couple months. Hey, 37. I'll, I'll, um, um, I'm in Canada. I'll happily rent a van and load those magazines in the back of it and drive it over to the States right. for you. We will uh, be in touch. Is, is your printer in the Toronto area? <laughs> 
Uh, to be honest, I am not 100% sure. It might be in Quebec, but uh, we'll, uh, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll be in a bit touch. more of a drive, but you know what? Anything for a fellow Bitcoiner. We're scheming. Freedom. Thank you, Canadian truckers. Honestly, I think it's great. Fuck it. I, yeah, I think it's great, too. Somebody needed to fucking do something. I mean, and honestly, like, uh, another thing that ties, like, Bitcoin to uh, just this battle for freedom around the world right now and Bitcoin Magazine to that story. So I love that, too. Um, one thing that just, like, I, I it always hits me in the face, but uh, it never ceases to, like, amaze me is, like, Bitcoiners are on the front lines of freedom and Bitcoiners are the only ones that are really, really looking out at what's happening. Like if you, I see this on Twitter because you kind of see when, you know, some totalitarian or some tech company or whatever does something that's like really off base. If you look through the comments, like it's pretty much only Bitcoiners who are like ridiculing them. And then I experienced this in person, you know, June, 2021 at Bitcoin 21, you know, people were not gathering in person at all. Um, I remember even just for me, that was like one of the very first like big in-person things that I'd been to, but guess, you know, who was gathering in person, like, you know, in the max fear time of the pandemic, it was Bitcoiners and like really pushing, pushing the envelope there. So, uh, I think it was like the Super Bowl, the Indy 500 and then Bitcoin 21 (laughs) as like the biggest events at the beginning of 21. So um you know those are i think there's just countless examples of bitcoiners on the front lines of freedom and pushing this fight forward and you know now even with you know changing the mandates in el salvador to appease bitcoiners like that's another example like of bitcoiners are the ones who are actually pushing to change this bs um and and to and to help people get more freedoms and uh you know i I think that that's going to continue to be uh, a really strong truth yeah, I, I agree 100%. Not only that, like on the legislative front where you have politicians and lawmakers and stuff like that, I think it is Bitcoin is big time on their radar right now. Like in Texas, for example, all of the governors are essentially trying to out-Bitcoiner each other at the moment, which is freaking hilarious. Shane? Oh, I was just going to say that, um, you know, since we were talking about the truckers a little bit, I'm, I think I'll tweet out today that, you know, anyone that own, owns GoFundMe stock should dump it because, you know, they seized their their money right now and looking into the fact, you know, to make sure it complies. It's just crazy. This is, for, this is a great time for Bitcoin to shine. So, I mean, we need to educate them about Bitcoin and show them why they need to custody their own funds and take their donations directly. Agreed. For those of you who are interested in supporting the Canadian truckers, BTC Sessions was on with us earlier this week, and we had Greg Foss. Between BTC Sessions, Greg Foss, and uh, Jeff Booth, they're coordinating a fundraiser thing. Go check out Hong Kong Hodel, I believe, at Hong Kong Hodel. Hodel, Hodel. CK, what's the right way to say that? I always I, uh, want to say I, just, I threw it up into the uh, the nest, but uh, you know, honestly, I think I would say I instinctively say hodl, but then I will say hodl ironically. Um, so I don't know. 
I really don't know. I use them both pretty much interchangeably. Does anybody have any idea who came up with that term? I mean, there's a it's it's a fact that it came up from a uh, a like it was a Bitcoin talk uh, thread where you know a, a drunken hodler was complaining about how the traders are going to take all of his ads, so he's just going to hodl, but he spelled it wrong. Or he's just going to hold. I mean, correct me if I'm I'm wrong with that, but you can you can you figure right. you can fi- you can find the history. Yeah, that is right. funny. I always want to say Hodel because I think of that one episode with Hodor. Hodor. <laughs> look, I mean, like, if you think the word is based off hold, so it should be Hodel because it's hold. But, I mean, you know, don't – at the same time, I instinctively say Hodel. So, you know, it, it's, it's counterintuitive. Let's talk about the conference. I'm fired up, man. Bitcoin 2022, April, Miami. Be there. It's going to be freaking awesome. What's your code? Uh, uh, For a 10% discount, SWAN. Promo code SWAN. Promo code SWAN, 10% discount. Prices are going up uh, on the 14th, so uh, that's coming up pretty quickly here. So get your ticket use the promo code and it's going to be incredible. Uh, you, again, like uh, I've been through kind of the evolution of this conference with it starting in 2019 and then it getting uh, canceled uh, and then it getting canceled in 2020 and then it coming back in 21 and just like, I think what people don't understand about Bitcoin 21 is that we thought it was going to be 4,000 people. And then, like, we just we got we got caught flat-footed uh, every single time. The tickets just sold out way too fast, and we had to continue to expand like the scope of the venue uh, and like the footprint. And at the end, you know, every time we try to expand to the next building, they started really like squeezing us. So uh, it turned into a little bit of an uncomfortable situation in order to make sure there's enough space for you know the the twelve thousand bitcoiners that ended up showing up. Uh, but it was just such a huge success, uh, and uh, it really set us up for this event. And you know, this event we're planning for thirty thousand people. We have capacity for forty-five thousand people, and uh, we're on track for thirty thousand people, which is really, really effing excellent and cool. And you know, as the event scales up, we can just do more. So you know, we're kind of going from you know being like a cool awesome Bitcoin event and, and conference to being like a full-blown Bitcoin festival. Uh, you know, the amount of money being expended on this event uh, is, you know, uh, let's just say it's more than last year's event times five. So uh, there's just a lot of money being spent. Uh, we're, we're paying for a lot of, you know, incredible stu- uh, artists to come to the conference and play a music festival on the last day. Uh, and there's, you know, there's really, really incredible speakers coming heads of state. Boo Kelly is traveling to the conference and he's bringing a ton of just like budget politicians and lawmakers from South America with him. So, uh, there's a lot of incredible stuff happening, but just to kind of break it down, uh, really what we got going is four days of, of the actual event. 
uh, day one is really focused in on the industry. It's called industry day. So that ranges from the enterprise to, uh, you know, open source developers. We have four stages at the conference. One of the stage it, stages is like an open source stage. Uh, so during industry day at the open source stage, that's going to be like a Socratic seminar going on the entire day. So um, it's going to be super technical content. If you're not a developer, you pretty much understand like 30% of it. Um, but on the other stages uh, during industry day, it's going to be a lot more kind of B2B focused. Uh, there's going to be folks talking about institutional trading and uh, custody and that kind of stuff. Uh, things that a lot of the business leaders are interested in. Uh, after industry day, the general days, G8, 1 and 2, that's April 7th and 8th. Uh, you know, we're going to have, again, the, the full conference is going to be completely open. We're going to have 30,000 people there. It's going to be indoor and outdoor at the Miami Beach Convention Center. Uh, and, you know, it's going to be fireworks every single day. There's going to be incredible announcements made. There's going to be incredible uh, panels happening. All your favorite Bitcoiners will be everywhere. Uh, and, you know, Swan was, was you know, kicked off at Bitcoin 2019. And I know a lot of cool companies were kicked off at Bitcoin 21. And uh, it's really incredible. Some of those companies that were kicked off in 2019 and 21 are sponsoring 22. So uh, the opportunities when that many Bitcoiners are coming together uh, to just create is really you know, it, it's unprecedented and it's proven uh, given, you know, all the incredible companies that are kind of formed uh, at these conferences. And, uh, you know, really on those GA days, it's going to be like those are the, the most magical days. And then uh, to close it out after, you know, kind of three straight days of just Bitcoin talk, uh, we're doing the festival day. So Sound Money Fest on April 9th. Uh, there's an incredible lineup of artists. We're going to have a bunch of comedians there as well, and we haven't announced those. Uh, so stay posted for the comedians being dropped. Uh, and the whole idea is the entire the entire event is going to be open. So we have the exhibitor hall, which is going to have over 200 companies there. Um, or sorry, no, it's going to have over 400 companies. I apologize. There's over 200 small booths. So um, over 400 companies in the exhibitor hall. Uh, there is going to be a art gallery. So an incredible Bitcoin art gallery. I think everyone who's at 21 was super impressed and we're going to take it to the next level. Uh, and then, you know, obviously we're going to have the musicians and the uh, comedians playing on the stages. So we're going to keep the entire place open. Everyone can kind of like party and hang out on a Saturday, listen to music, listen to comedy uh, and just completely relax and have fun. So uh, we, we really are trying to you know, make it more than a conference and really trying to make it an opportunity for businesses, for plebs, for everyone just to come hang out and experience the Bitcoin culture and uh, continue to move Bitcoin forward. So really, really excited. Again, uh, this conference is about to pass Bitcoin 2021 in terms of total tickets sold. And uh, we have uh, 61 days, 62 days to go. So uh Really, really excited to, you know, bring together the biggest Bitcoin event, the biggest crypto event ever by a long shot. And it's uh, it's going to be amazing to, again, like show the world that, hey, Bitcoin may be digital, but this movement is very, very real. And there's no bigger way that, uh, to say that than, you know, showing up 30,000 strong in Miami Beach.
That is fantastic. I'm so fired up. Ready for this thing. I, I like to say I'm ready for it to happen. Like, I don't want it to end, but I'm ready for it to happen because it's a lot of work. Well, thank you for putting it together, man. It's definitely going to be a huge center point for Bitcoiners this year, for sure. We've got Corey Clipson in the audience. Corey, good morning. If you're able to, come on up. We're talking about the Bitcoin 2022 conference. Stefan? Yeah, just a quick question for CK. I think, um, obviously, as you've been around the scene, and actually, I think 2019 was when I first met you, but I'm curious, your thoughts. Do you have any tips for people out there how to get the most out of their you know, Bitcoin conference experience? What kind of um, tips to enjoy and uh, learn? Well, I have to give a shout out to your article that you dropped on Bitcoin Magazine earlier this week. Uh, I think you you put a lot of great tips in there and uh, really explain to people why in-person Bitcoin events are so important. Um, so go check out Stefan's article on Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, but I would say the big tip is that, you know, we are recording every single piece of content, every single moment of things that happen on stage. We are recording that and we will be posting it onto YouTube in a timely manner. So what that means is that everything that's super kind of like important and wow worthy will be posting like within uh, within like six or seven hours of it actually happening, um, as well as uh, everything else will be posted within like two weeks of the conference. So all the content, hundreds of sessions will all be posted onto the Internet and watch, you know, watchable, you know, whenever you want. What you can't watch on YouTube is the the networking experiences uh, the meeting and hanging out with Bitcoiners. Uh, so I really, really like urge people to like look at the agenda beforehand, kind of like mark what, like what you have to see those big moments, make sure you show up to those big moments early because like sometimes, you know, everyone wants to go see those big moments and then you can't get onto the main stage and you, you know, get butt hurt. So show up to those big moments early. And then the rest of the time, like ignore the content completely and just hang out with people. Like seriously, that's what you should be optimizing because all of that content, all of those talks will be available online. So, um, you know, as you're recovering at home the week after you have all this FOMO, that's the perfect time to watch all the talks on YouTube when you're supposed to be working. So um, that, that would be my biggest thing. Uh, and then obviously, you know, the other thing is just to like, it's, it's going to be four days Last year, it was three days, and people said that they were horsed by the end of it. So, you know, pace yourself. Um, a lot of people are showing up at the beginning of the week, so it's going to be like a seven-day marathon for them. So uh, imagine ending the seven-day marathon with a music festival. So uh, just pace yourself and uh, don't, you know, don't don't be that guy who shows up super late to uh, the Michael Saylor talk because you are super hungover, too. So. Uh, you know, just kind of be strategic and pace yourself and, you know, do what you got to do to stay healthy. Words of wisdom. That's fantastic. Stefan, you wrote an article about um, how to get the most from a, an event like this. Do you want to go through some of the, your bullets with that? Yeah, sure. So for anyone, I've um, put that up in the nest also. So I wrote this for Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, as I'm a fan of Bitcoin Magazine and I'm a fan of the conferences and the, the work that they're doing. And so I just put it a few tips up there and I was just basically making the point that there's really a magic to meeting in person. And that's it's hard to convey that in words. You really have to be there in person 
to see that. Um, but yeah, obviously there's a few tips in terms of. I think we lost him. Is that just me? No. No. Yeah. He cut I, out. I would say that one of the advantages of meeting in person is that the person in front of you doesn't suddenly disappear. <laughs> yeah. Time. Can't censor in high-fidelity flesh. It's actually the part I'm, I'm most looking forward to. Like, the content, I'm sure, is going to be awesome. I'm excited. To... Yes, we can. Yeah. Go ahead, Stefan. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, so, I mean, there's a few things. Uh, try to really take advantage of those chances to meet people. And because you might be able to meet people that you wouldn't have otherwise and it's a it's a cool chance if you've been already building up a you know being following the scene on bitcoin twitter you might get a chance to meet some of these people who you're following in real life and that's always really cool for me i mean even for me i remember the first time i met uh marty benz and matt odell in person and that was really great it was really cool and fun uh, because even for me, I, you know, I was listening to their shows and, you know, I thought that was awesome. So that's really cool. Um, OPSEC wise, you know, obviously don't talk about your, your own Bitcoin. Um, maybe don't give off any obvious tips about where you live and things like that. Talk about Bitcoin, but not your Bitcoin and, uh, don't leave your devices unattended. Right. Um, and overall, I think it'll be a great experience. Um, oh, one other big tip I would say is treat for, especially for the big events, make sure you turn up early. Treat it like it's a week of events. It's not just that one or two days or whatever, or three days or four days in the Bitcoin um, 2021, 2022 case. It's actually there'll be pre-events and so on. So you really want to get to some of those because then you you might get a chance to meet people who you might not have met otherwise, and you can make some friends there and then stay in touch with them over the next few days at the conference and usually there's like a Telegram or some kind of chat channel going. So join those. So that way you can stay up to date on what's happening, see where people are at or see what's going on if just in case you're missing something. So those are a few tips from my side. Just to piggyback off of what uh, Stefan said. Um, yeah, we have both a Discord and a Telegram group. Uh, so you can find both on the conference website. Uh, and we also have a page that allows all the kind of like side event organizers to submit their events and have it all in one place. Uh, and we're calling it Bitcoin week. So uh, Bitcoiners are taking over Miami for the entire first week of April. And uh, yeah, I, I pinned it into the nest, our Bitcoin week page. Uh, so y'all can uh, tap on that. I think there's only like 15 events right now. Uh, but by the time the conference actually happens, uh, and a lot more people have actually gotten all the details to their events together. Uh, you know, I, I'm expecting hundreds of events uh, to be listed on the Bitcoin Week page. So uh, if you're up for it, if you can go, if you can Bitcoin hard for a week straight, you know, show up on Sunday, leave the next Sunday. And, uh, you know, that's that's how you really do it right. Uh, did we lose Alex? We may no, know. I'm, really, I'm just oh, trying to adjust the title of the room. I hear you. <laughs> well, I, I, my uh, my only advice was just go be uncomfortable, guys. If you uh, are ever nervous about going to say hello to those people that you did meet or that you do look up to, just go out there and uh, say hello because um, the conference is the best time to get to know people and networking is everything. And, you know, you're going to get to have one of the best times. So just go there, go be uncomfortable and, and have a great time. So we can't wait to see you guys there.
Swan have any big plans for the event? We're working on some things, yeah. So we're we're uh, thinking about doing either. We we have some things in in the pipe, so I want uh, Corey to be able to speak on those. But yeah, we are, are really excited to be there, and um, yeah, so very excited. Just don't want to say too much. I guess what Jacob is saying is that that's all classified. Excellent. Most things about the conference are still classified, so uh, yeah, pretty normal. I do want to give a shout out to uh, to Bitcoin Jobs. You know, one Bitcoin Magazine's leveraged Bitcoin Jobs. Uh, a ton and it's an incredible resource and that you know i really can't believe that uh the folks there you know really do it all for free but uh for i would say the next best resource you know not year-round like bitcoin jobs to getting a job in bitcoin is actually the bitcoin conference um so you know i got my job at the north american bitcoin conference 2018 um you know that was a shitcoin conference and i still got a bitcoin job out of it uh so i mean Bitcoin 2022, there's going to be over 400 exhibitors there. So, you know, these are Bitcoin businesses that had enough marketing budget to be at the conference. And a lot of them are hiring. A lot of them are looking for Bitcoin talent. Uh, A lot of Bitcoin companies only hire Bitcoiners. So, um, you know, one of the best places to get a job in the space is, is a Bitcoin conference. And that in itself is worth the price of admission. I'm just looking forward to meeting all these cool people. You know, I've, I've worked in a lot of industries in my life. I've done different things. And it's like when I found the Bitcoin community, my, my thought on it was like, man, I'm home. These are my people. Can't wait. You know, I think once you go to your, I have not been yet, but once you go to your first Bitcoin conference, I'm sure you, you don't miss it. Right. It's like a, something you've, pencil in and you're not going to miss it. The best thing about that is that uh, for those who have a lot of conviction, as soon as the conference is over, we open up ticket sales for the next conference. Uh, And historically, those tickets have been super, super cheap. I remember for Bitcoin uh, 2020, which ended up being canceled, we opened up the first 200 ticket sales uh, in Bitcoin only for $20.20. Uh, so like that, that level of uh, a ticket price will never happen again, but, uh, we still, we still sell the Bitcoin conference tickets for very, very cheap immediately after the conference. So if you're convicted, that's the time to get them and, uh, they're guaranteed to appreciate. So, you know, not investment advice, but you know, even if you're unsure if you can make it, it, it wouldn't be a bad call. You should do the $20 tickets again. I agree. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, I think our CRO would murder me. So <laughs> <laughs> cool. All right, let's uh, do a couple of quick announcements here. And uh, if you're in the audience and you were at Bitcoin 2021 and you want to come up and share some cool stories, let's hear them. So number one. You're listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day, Monday through Friday, starting at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for about two hours, talk about all things Bitcoin. This is now a podcast as well. It's up on Spotify. Throw Swan Bitcoin a follow if you want to get notified when it's posted. 
Bitcoinerjobs.com. We've already been talking about that. If you're interested in working in Bitcoin, Bitcoinerjobs.com. And if you have experience in high net worth sales, by the way, Swan Bitcoin is firing for the Swan private team. So shoot me a DM. If you know anybody like that, have them shoot me a DM. We want to talk to them. Who has a cool story from Bitcoin 2021? Good morning, Wild Bill. Oh, I got, I got, a, I got, a, I got a pretty good story. So, you know, after, after, you know, doing the rounds and the shit coining and all the all the crazy distractions that happen and that are out there on these exchanges, um, you know, for for a couple of years. I mean, I I I, I was in it deep. I had IOTA, I had Coin, all that crap back then. The ICOs are what we now see today with all the DeFi and NFT and all that stuff. So it, it, it's part of the process. But uh, I, I finally started to kind of see Bitcoin. I was like, oh, there's this conference in Miami. Thing, hearts pounding and you just feel the energy. It's a beautiful, beautiful time to have all these people together. And walking out and seeing the line, <laughs> being like, wow. This is incredible. Um, and luckily, I ran into a friend that was doing some press stuff and helped me get in and just um, just getting there early and meeting the people. And, and you just find people in the Bitcoin community that have passions that you share and, um, and you know, the, all the cool things we're going to be doing, building on top of it. So um, I, I'm jealous of people that get to go down. It's going to be a beautiful thing. I think they, they. I love that story, by the way. Thank you for sharing. And. Yeah, I mean, hey, even if you go last minute and you pay a ton of money to be there, which I don't recommend, uh, it's still worth it. It's still worth, worth every it. worth every penny, worth every penny, no question. That was an unpaid endorsement, guys. He just came up here and said that. So uh, I would recommend getting your tickets super cheap at the beginning. You can still get them for cheaper now. You can save 10% by using promo code SWAN. You can save money if you pay in Bitcoin. Um, you know, but don't FOMO in the last 30 days. It's actually a statistical fact that 50% of ticket sales to, uh, conferences and, uh, and other festivals happen in the last 30 days leading up to the event. So, um, it's a fact that most people FOMO and they end up paying a lot more to do that. I'll just add to about Miami Beach. If you're trying to get like I'm in like a hotel or something, a lot of people obviously want to be like, you know, between like Fifth Street and like 20th, right there on Ocean, or something like that. Obviously, but that can be difficult. Even if they have the, you know, even if you have the the money at this point, it might even be sold out. Who knows? I don't know. But there is yeah. stuff all the way up Collins. I mean, a lot of people don't know that about Miami Beach, but it's like it goes like way up. So and then it's just essentially one street. So if you're, you know, if you're kind of like priced out of South Beach after getting, you know, your plane and all that other stuff, I mean, your, your rooms up there on North Miami Beach are pretty nice and gives you a chance to just kind of like hop in the Uber or whatever. And next thing you know, I mean, it's Miami Beach is pretty fast to get around. Next thing you know, you're down there on South Beach. So right by, you know, where, where everything is. Yeah, if you've never been down to Miami and, and you've never made that trip, and and th this would be an event that, from all all the the clubbing and the people and the color and the music and the art of Miami, I mean th this is th this event is built for Miami. So I would this would be one of those lifetime. If you've never been to Miami and you want to go, this is the time to go. 
here's the here's the best thing about staying in Miami Beach for this event. Last year we were in Wynwood, so that's like in Miami proper. Uh, so if you stayed in Miami Beach, which is like you know the beach side, all that kind of stuff, you had to drive across the bridge to get to Miami proper. Um, but now that we are doing the event in the Miami Beach Convention Center, if you stay within like walking distance of that, you can also stay walking distance of the beach. So then you can never have to get into a car, never have to like commute, and you can go between the beach and the conference. So I still think that there are hotel rooms available like within that kind of vicinity. Uh, go check out our website. We have a, a plan your travel page that has links to all the hotels with uh, room blocks that we've negotiated. Um, so that's there are still rooms available via our pre-negotiated rates. Uh, there's also Airbnbs and Verbos. Can't believe it's not VRBO. It's called Verbo. But there's Verbos available too. So that's an option. Maybe get a crew of Bitcoiners and get in, get a house or an apartment. Um, that's a, that's a good way to be, you know, somewhere on the island. Uh, I like what Ant said, which is, you know, you can be an Uber away and still on the island. That's worth it because it for those who haven't been to Miami, pretty much Miami Beach or South Beach is an island. And there's only one freeway with like two lanes to get there from Miami proper. So uh, in the worst conditions, it can take forever to get across that bridge. And uh, that would be really frustrating. So I think it's worth it to be on the on the on the island, be in South Beach and uh, and yeah, and uh, or be in Miami Beach and uh, uh, and make sure to uh, to get your, your accommodations ASAP. Know, get get your ticket, get your accommodations, and then figure out the flight later. Yeah, you definitely don't want to be going across the causeways if you're not used to Miami or being in Miami Beach. I mean, you're there are multiple, not you know, there's, but it's just to your point. I mean, you have to kind of pick and choose based on where you are in in the beach or Miami proper. So if you're, you know, like if you miss one twelve, which is like the main one over uh relative to you know the big welcome to miami beach sign and like kind of mid miami beach um you know 395 is way down south you got to go way down there to hit fifth street you know uh and then i mean it keeps going up to like 203rd but it's you don't want to be stuck on those causeways it's a mission so definitely i mean you'll see like if you're trying to get a room you'll see there's you're like, oh, I could, I, the, you know, I could just do like Biscayne Bay, maybe right across, you know, and just hop on 112 and get right there to, you know, South Beach. But then there's like that area is dicey. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that. I would just go north in Miami. Like, you know, if I couldn't get a room, I would just keep going north in Miami Beach. You know, 203rd Street is like Ives Dairy up in the very north part. Like now you're starting to like leave Miami. Um, but 203rd is like, I mean, you're thinking about these, you know, first street is all the way at the bottom of Miami beach. So it's like, it's really not that far when you think about it. And, and again, it's just one street, just Collins, you know? So I'm glad we have you Ant. you, you know, Miami much better than me. So this is really good advice, man. I used to have to go to school, like across that causeway. Cause like we lived right there on the beach. My, I didn't know my dad till I was like 18. And, and when he came back into my life, he was like, come down and, you know, like get school, all that other stuff. Like, let's get you going. And I was already like a little bit later in, in you know, because I was like, I guess, like later in what I was, you know, where I should be 
And so it was kind of like a, a late start, fast start, but that's not the point. The point is having to drive through those causeways every morning for school was the worst. So I'm just telling you, you know, going from the beach to like, you know, across that is pretty taking the causeway, but it's like, trust me, you don't want to be doing that. All right. We've got some feedback in DMS. Uh, and after that, uh, CK, maybe you can tell us a little bit about the speakers and then let's move on to some other Bitcoin stuff. Yeah. Um, so this is coming from Mitty Rays. She says, um, I'm going to paraphrase it. Please streamline the check-in. <laughs> okay. So I, I don't know if you heard me talking about how we thought Bitcoin 21 was going to be 4,000 people and then it scaled to be 12,000 people. So not to say that I'm blaming that, but, you know, we learned a lot last year. This year, the venue is like the Miami Beach Convention Center. Like this is where they have like stuff like Comic-Con, right? So there's literally a four lane street entering into the the event uh, venue that is like its own thing that we're going to completely block off and be part of our check-in process. So uh, I think last year there was like, I don't know, like two or three um, uh, security points. Like this this year there's going to be like 18 or, and, and maybe don't even quote me there. Like maybe the organizers are like screaming that my numbers are wrong there, but uh, it's going to be much, 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 much better. Uh, I can also comment that there'll be many, many, many more bathrooms uh so uh it's just you you like bitcoin 21 was an incredible festival and it blew a lot of people's minds this this event is going to do that again even if you went to bitcoin 21 with how much bigger how much more professional uh how much more streamlined the entire thing is morning lawrence good morning good morning i came up just because you guys were talking about the conference and registration and ck i don't know i know you guys are probably at this juncture really really far into your planning but every time you know i work in conventions for like 20 years so one of the things i've seen work best when you have a retail customer you know being your attendee prior to the first show day having just somewhere in the neighborhood of four to six hours of pure registration only for people to come in and get their badges before the first day works masterfully so i don't know if that's the option you guys can exercise but i definitely think you should look into it Lawrence, no, I really appreciate that. And 100%, we will have uh, pre-registration and registration hours. I believe that we're going to be mailing out uh, wristbands early um, to at least some people. So I don't know exactly how that works, but uh, they are doing everything to address, everything in their power to address last year's line experience. And again, you know, we learned a lot last year. You know, last year's event ended up being three times bigger than we thought. This year's event will be exactly as big as we thought. So um, I think that there's a lot of differences at play here. That's perfect, man. Sounds like you got the right plan. Good to hear it, brother. Thank you, man. I'm not going to lie. I, I made some great friends standing in that line. Um, you know, we were in that line for about two hours. One of the guys I'd met, um, you know, all the excitement caused him to collapse from dehydration. So we had to take him to the ER. And, uh, yeah, we've become really good friends from that. Oh, my gosh. Uh, well, that's a story there, and I'm sorry to hear that. But I'm glad that you're, you you made some great friends and they're all Bitcoiners. Yeah, make sure you guys are planning accordingly for staying hydrated and drinking plenty of water. 
Yeah, I also wanted to comment that April is a much more comfortable time to be in Miami. Um, so last year, uh, we flipped from L.A. to Miami in January, and we really needed every single day to pull that event off. So uh, this year, we got to pick the ideal time, and uh, we have the biggest venue in Miami at the perfect time to have a conference. So let's just, let that just show, you know, how important the Bitcoin conference is to Miami and uh, how big of a deal Bitcoiners getting together uh, has become. I mean, one, one, one piece of advice I'd, I'd put out there is, um, is, you know, just like it's important to protect your Bitcoin and not get distracted digitally, um, you know, there will be distractions at a, at a conference like this. I mean, I, I, I went out and I wasted three or four hours of my time um, you know, having a meeting with 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 another project that, as as I learn more going through the Bitcoin conference, you know, it's just not worth your time. So, um, you know, be 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 uh, be wise and 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 listen and and uh, and follow the Bitcoin. What are some of the best speakers that are going to be there? Can you guys hear? Yeah, no, give me one second. I have, uh, I'm pulling up the website just to have it all in front of me. So, I mean, obviously, President Bukele is huge. Uh, he, he announced via recorded video uh, working with Jack Ballers that El Salvador was going to make Bitcoin legal tender at Bitcoin 21. And this year he's coming in person, which is obviously incredible. Uh, but Michael Saylor, Elizabeth Stark, Jack Maulers all coming back. Uh, we have Dr. Joe Jurgensen, who is uh, a leader in the Libertarian Party, and she ran for president this past run. Uh, so it's pretty incredible to just see um, so many people involved uh, within politics uh, and major players, uh, you know, becoming interested in Bitcoin. Uh, we have JP Sears, who is an awesome comedian who's recently gotten uh, into uh, a Bitcoin and lightning business. And he is doing a lot to kind of like spread the good word of freedom uh, via his his channel, which is huge on YouTube. Uh, I'm really proud that we have, you know, some cypherpunks like Diverter BDC Wiz, um, Craig Raw, uh, some of these folks who are building, uh, you know, some of the the best open source privacy preserving Bitcoin technology, uh, and they're going to be coming to the event and giving session, uh, giving workshops and and talking about the tech. So uh, really excited for what could happen there, and it's really incredible to see the president of El Salvador, you know, uh, on the same page as like your favorite plebs and memers. Uh, so uh, I'm really excited for the, the speakers. And uh, I know that we are absolutely saving the best announcements for last and the best opportunities come at the end in terms of people who finally agree to speak. So uh, there's there's a lot more to come. Very cool. Let's switch gears for a minute. This is going to be completely off topic of what we've been discussing. But this came up the other day, and I thought it was super important. This guy tweeted out that um, he was basically making fun of the fact that we're teaching people how to read and write cursive in school. And uh, I wanted to ask you guys, like everybody who's up here, 
do you think it's important to learn to read and write in cursive and why? Yes. <laughs> yes. All us old folks are going to have the same answer. The new kids probably will say no. That's a, that's a good point, Lawrence. But yeah, from my perspective in my 40s with my two kids, I think it's important. Why is it important? I think it's important because it still exists in the world. And so it's like in, in communication matters and then being able to like participate in communication matters. And I know that like, we're all in like a digital realm and we're trying to like port our analog human existence into like a purely digital hundred percent format. But I mean, the truth is people still write in cursive. Now, if there's some kind of heinous history to the cursive thing that I don't know about, you know, I mean, educate me but for me i just if it's if it's all around cancel them <laughs> if it's all around the uh putting you know changing because we're being able to type or whatever i mean no i i want my kids to know cursive people still write in cursive it's like a lost art too right if we don't you still Funny. gotta sign you still gotta sign your name on contracts and you don't want to look stupid when you do that <laughs> what are you talking about you just scribble the great <laughs> The great thing is <laughs> that's cursive. Though. <laughs> the great thing is when my when my six year old is thirty, she'll be able to have the same career a, a, a excuse me a calligraphy artist has right now because nobody will know cursive. But on the real, like people still use it, so you still need to be able to do it. Like take your average kid who owns a cell phone who is twenty one or below and ask them, do they know how to check their voicemail without having their physical phone? They probably don't. So like. Old stuff is useful whenever you need to pull it out of the toolbox. I don't see any reason why just general education around reading comprehension and communication would be like a negative or anything. It's, it's like a, like it's of, of almost level importance, in my opinion, to learning how to code now. Yeah, it's a ba it's a basic skill, right? I mean. There's there's a bunch of basic skills that young people need to have, um, and it's it definitely checks those boxes. Um, and I think it checks the boxes along. You know, we should be young people should be learning about how to have healthy relationships, and young people should be learning about um, you know understanding feelings, and they should learn how to write, and they should learn how to read, and they should learn how to coding as a second language. I think is something that is really important. And we don't do it enough. Like we we have coding games, we introduce them, but you know, how many of these young kids can really go in and speak these languages that are needed to, to build all the stuff that we are looking forward to being built on top of Bitcoin? Um, you know, I, 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 and, I, and being in education, it's, it's interesting. There is resistance against um, teaching coding as a second language and really embedding it in everything that's going on, along with writing and cursive and calligraphy and, um, you know, understanding how these you know, your different style, like finding your voice on paper is just important as finding your voice, um, you know, vocally. So um, all, all important. Yeah, I might have to, uh, I think there's just in general with the idea of schooling, there's like a million things that... I think desperately need to change before cursive is even on the list of being 
like, like if somebody's going to complain well, about public schooling, like you're way fucking down the list. If you're talking about cursive, there's that's a great plenty point. of things. A, no, ar- no argument. Right. No argument. I'm going to, I'm going to make, I'm going to make a point as to why I think cursive is absolutely critical for our young people. And that is the founding fathers of the United States of America wrote in cursive. If you can't read cursive, then you're 100% subject to digitalized propaganda. Ooh, that's good. Ooh, don't trust verify. Don't don't trust somebody else's transcription of what the Constitution says. Read the, read the damn thing. That's, that's a really good point. Cursive is going to end up being physical encryption in like 15 years. That's well, crazy. It's like, yeah, like, it's like a lost language, like right? Like it becomes like Sanskrit or, or freaking... Reading Sumerian. Y'all, I don't think, like, if you can read English and you've never written in cursive, I think you could still figure out how to read cursive. And I know how to write in cursive, and I can't fucking read the Constitution. So, like, I don't know what you guys are fucking talking about. <laughs> <laughs> like, have you tried to read that shit? Like, that—that that is, that is like, cursive that breaks your brain. I'm sorry. At least the S's. What were they doing with that? Nah, what about Q, bro? <laughs> Capital that's, Q what, that, that, that's, a, that's a class in itself. I mean, just to sit, have a group of young kids sit down and spend a semester just breaking that down and reading that and transcribing that and learning that, that, that would be a cool exercise. That would be more useful than most semesters. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna actually, I'm gonna add that to 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 part to to our to our Bitcoin curriculum. I like that. Hey, Alex, if I can, since we're talking about education, I I tweeted out something about something I'm doing in the schools with Bitcoin. I'm not going to talk about that, but there was this lady that like um, tagged someone else, and they're like, "Report this guy." <laughs> and, and I I went and looked at her profile. I don't know who in the world it is. I know they're in Texas, so I think the point is, is I specifically didn't say the town that I was doing that in because I'm like, you know, it's it's probably some people are thinking that, you know, we're going to indoctrinate these kids. That is crazy. Like they, that is really crazy. Don't get me started on that. <laughs> uh, real quick, take the ride. Give me one sec here. I just wanted to welcome Guy Swan properly. I mean, you popped in here and you kind of, <laughs> first time you've been in this space, man. Really appreciate you coming to hang out. I'm a big fan of your work. I've listened to lots of your stuff. I know a lot of people here have, so I'm probably not telling you anything new, but very cool to have you around. Hell yeah. I appreciate it, man. I should probably, I should probably try to jump in here a little bit more often, but anything, anything before noon is not my prime time for interaction. You know, I, I try to get my I try to get my notes and my coffee done in the morning and and my early reading because I'm very low energy. But I'm doing this. This is fun. I'm glad I, I'm glad I jumped in. <laughs> yeah, me too. I like our space is usually super chill. Like we're a little amped up today because we're talking about the conference and stuff. But we we usually keep it pretty chill. People are just drinking their coffee, hanging out, talking about what's going on in Bitcoin. And I want to do this on the regular stacking stats, a Bitcoin jam session. Shoot me DMs if you have any thoughts on that. I want to make it like a thing where, you know, we have some of the some of the top influencers slash educators slash content creators come in, hang out, talk about what's happening. 
Dude, the old days on Clubhouse when uh, we would all kind of bully guy into reading stuff, <laughs> those were the good old days, man. That's hilarious. <laughs> Take I'm the ride. I want to give a shout out to. I don't. I don't. <laughs> I was just gonna say I want to give a shout out to Guy because uh, he's one of the people who has helped me get educated about Bitcoin the most because he turns written content into audio content, and uh, that's audio is definitely my medium. So uh, big appreciation to you, and you know, thinking about when I started uh, dabbling in this space in 2017. Uh, I wish that there was Bitcoin Audible back then. Like that would have been huge, and uh, it's incredible what you do every single day. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate that. And I wish I had uh, started three years earlier when I first thought about doing it, so that it would have been there in 2017. <laughs> well, we could have used you, but I'm so grateful of all the work you've been doing, man. Thanks, dude. Actually, on that note, um, I've only got I've got uh, the fidelity report I'm starting on, and I've got a uh, uh, Alex Fetsky's um, uh, the the front piece from um, uh, the Bitcoin Times edition four, but I don't have anything concrete lined up behind it. What? Uh, uh, feel free to DM me anything that you want in audio that I don't have right now. Um, but if, you know, go to town bullying me to get some uh, audio done because I'm still in my um, decision phase. I got I got lots of things to line up. <laughs> I got lots of choices, but I don't know what anybody wants to listen to. That fidelity port that 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 that's a great read, man. I mean, coming. I haven't from read it yet. I haven't read it yet. But I, I saw oh. it and I was immediately like, ooh, this is probably gonna be a good one. Yeah, they did they did it, they did a really good job. I mean, she she is so far ahead of all these other people running these these traditional banks, the, the CEO over there. So I mean that's what they've done there with Fidelity Digital is incredible. Hell yeah, that one's definitely coming. Can't wait to hear that. I got a couple quotes here from the Fidelity head of sales that I thought were was interesting timeline wise. One is in 2014, he's like, we started mining and accumulating Bitcoin. And then he just recently came out and said we expect Bitcoin to be a mainstream asset by 2026. Yeah, that that was you know, Fidelity was kind of like quiet about it for such a long time like i heard about it in 2014 that they were mining and it seemed like a huge deal but it wasn't like it was it was a huge deal among bitcoiners it wasn't like they like really broadcast about it, it was just kind of like this offhand comments like, oh yeah yeah we're, we got a, we got some bitcoin miners running the office and their uh, digital assets team at the time was really small um but and I, I don't even think I heard anything about it again for like two years. And then I remember thinking the next development was really significant. Like they had expanded their team. They had uh, like, like they had just been quietly ever so slowly, like basically building under the radar for a really long time. And I still feel like Fidelity doesn't get quite the attention that they deserve for having been here since 2014. No, they, 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 they've been they've been masterful in the way that they rolled that right it's just yeah. they, they, well, they they decided to pay let their employees take 
they're paying Bitcoin and, you know, it's, they, and, and they've been the friendly, like, I know that, you know, family members that have tried to do things in some of the other, other banks, you know, they couldn't, they couldn't buy certain things. They couldn't buy MSTR. They couldn't buy GPTC for, you know, their, their accounts and, and right away move it to Fidelity or people that were in Fidelity that there was just never any friction or resistance against it. Um, and now for them to kind of come out and, you know, put this piece and, and, and really, really lead the way. I mean, it's very well thought off. I think what didn't Nick Carter spent some time over there. I mean, I think he, he must yeah. have helped them move a lot. Right. I mean, that's just so, imagine having him around the table. Yeah. So th- there have been, I mean, with Fidelity, like a lot of companies, they just started their journey early. So I think they had that whole phase of, cause if you think back to the 2014 days and so on, it was like blockchain technology and all this. And yes. So some of the early, you know, people who've, been, who've moved through Fidelity, people like Nick Carter, Matt Walsh, who then went on to start their own, you know, Castle Island ventures. Um, but they've definitely had some well-known Bitcoin people, who've gone through there. So, but I think it's just, they just went through that journey. Like a lot of companies of, Oh, is it blockchain technology or is it something else? Or is it crypto? And now, you know, they're sort of, they're bringing the focus back and sort of mentioning, Hey, actually we were looking at this back in 2014. Take the ride. Good morning. Yeah, they're, help, they're definitely going to help open. I mean, I I've used that just in, in the own, when you're doing these internal pushes and these old legacy these legacy setups, um, there, there's so much resistance. And so fidelity, like that piece definitely helps, you know, when people see, Oh, fidelity, Oh, I might read that. (laughs) So it's going to be a help. T T L D R fidelity said, I got mine. You better get yours. Can you guys hear me? (laughs) Yeah, we can hear you. Yeah, we got you, brother. All right. Bitcoin is ripping right now, by the way, it's because guys want on the room. Facts. You're welcome. Thanks, bro. Appreciate it. Uh, take the ride. Good morning. Can you hear me? Am I coming through all right? You're Lima Charlie, yeah. man. Yes, sir. Um, on the subject of oh, cursive, shit, it's I- really ripping. Oh, nice, nice. I'm- <laughs> Let's go. It's a stock. It's stock to my followers model. It's it's, it's recovering. It's recovering. Oh my back god. To, back above forty. New model. New <laughs> model. I told I you expect this was, a full this report on this. Guy, you got to do this coffee. You got to do this every morning until we get to 100, man. Let's go. We're Talk to followers bottle. Let's go. We're, wi- we're within the band, and the stock to my followers is, uh, is, is coming back to the mean. <laughs> What's the acronym for that? St- uh, Stomp or something like that? S2MF. <laughs> exactly. Let's Talk go. To motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Take the Ride had something to say, and I guess he dropped off. Oh, I thought oh, shit. I'm, I'm sorry, I interrupted. I he thought you were yelling out, Take the Ride. <laughs> Alex, I thought you were saying, Take the Ride, like, let's go. I thought that it, I thought you just kept saying, Take the Ride, because we're ripping. <laughs> Man, that makes me feel bad. I, yesterday on the show, in like little Swan ad spot, I told everybody, it's like, Man, you know, now is a perfect time to like bump up your weekly thing because I I just bumped up my weekly and I was like, man, I'm gonna challenge you to to see what you can save, see if you can cancel a subscription, you can save a little bit more because I know you can probably stack a little bit more because I noticed today I I can stack a little bit more, I can earn a little bit more, and I should have done that like two weeks ago, three weeks ago, 
I'm sure somebody would thank me. <laughs> hey, it's still it's still relevant, my friend. Right, we're going to be stacking all the way up. <laughs> That's true. We're still we're still significantly below my follower count, and uh, um, less. I, th- I think the model the model is projecting uh, good good price increases for the for the future. <laughs> Y'all, you need to follow Guy Swan right now. Pump that follower count up, please. It's our Do only it. hope. Right. <laughs> Hundred percent. That topic, by the way, I think is super important as Bitcoiners for us to teach everybody, which is increase your income, decrease your expenses, stack sets. Hundred percent. CK earlier you were saying, uh, "Richest Man in Babylon." If you have not read this book, highly, highly, highly recommend it. It's one of the best books I've ever read. If you apply what is in that book, it will change your life. My opinion. Yep. I endorse Man, that that's message. been a long time, but that's a good one. Yeah, guy, you want to read? I mean, I guess you don't have to read it. It's already, it's like pretty much open source at this point. That's a good point. I'm, I'm sure there's audio for it somewhere. I there is audio for it. I think I listened to it in audio. Um, I'm pretty sure I've read it on. It's been God. It's been a long time. Um, that might be. That might worth it. It's not. It's not even that long. I just I just looked. I think it was written in 1937, so it's not one of that I've read yet. So I'm going to get on it, but that's that's like what 50 years ago or something. So that's <laughs> more than 50 years ago. But um, yeah, no, it's a uh, it's a it's just a basic personal finance book, and I think we live in a world of financial illiteracy, um, and Bitcoin I think is the biggest thing that is making people more financially literate so uh, i'm just thankful that i read that book prior to bitcoin and that helped me actually like appreciate bitcoin hey ck that's a that's a big point man because when it comes to bitcoin it's like financial literacy required you know for most of the stuff that people are dealing with you know 18 20 year olds getting credit cards getting your debit card all that kind of stuff that stuff is kind of automatic for the normal person in society so learn or so expanding your learning you know, uh, it, it's not required. You can just still do what normal people do with no problem. But if you're getting a Bitcoin, yeah, financial literacy is required. You have to know and understand to be able to hold these things and transact in these things and even understand what you're even up to. So, yeah, man, I like that a lot. All right, question for you guys. What else is like a super, super important habit when it comes to low time preference disciplines, habits that are like life hacks that are basically requirements or huge accelerants on your life? Yeah, no, this one's easy. It's called home cooking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, definitely. You save so much money, way healthier. I got another one for you, though. Get married. That'll drop your time preference by a mile and a half. Because uh, it ain't about you anymore. <laughs> oh, man. Then I got a date. Uh, I don't know if I'm doing that, dude. That sounds expensive, both in time and money. Wait, Only beginning. The benefit coming back in. It's an investment. <laughs> man, you know what? I don't know. Like, these young dudes who don't have wives or girlfriends and they like basically live in a shoebox and they mine fiat and they put every penny into into sats i'm kind of envious a little bit of these guys because shit their 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 pile is increasing massively in terms of 
ratios income to income to stat sacking sat stacking <laughs> yeah I, don't, I mean yes and it's great to stack as many sats as possible but um i don't know i kind of endorse lawrence's message and i think having a general like like marriage definitely does uh give you a higher time preference and I, this is a controversial statement but like if you are aggressively stacking sats if Bitcoin works, you already have enough sets. So like, I don't know. I think people can, can, can chill. They can enjoy life. They can have a wife or a husband or whatever. And you know, you're, you're already in the right place at the right time. Like you're Gucci, just keep stacking Man. casually and you're good. I think it's, I think it's important to remember why you stack that, you know, like, like at the end of the day, like it's to make, to prepare for your future self it's to make things better for your future and like the point of that in my opinion is to uh to have a place that you can call your own to have a family to have a wife to have kids to like or at least that's what's that's what's meaningful to me at least um and 100 percent, guy and if you find a good one she'll get up with you in the morning and she'll do her little ar thing and she'll stack sets on the fold thing, like running around the room like an idiot with you. Um, <laughs> oh, um, true. It's true. Spin the, spin the wheel. <laughs> we stack sides together. Thank God. Isn't that the important part of not getting distracted by chasing this idea and scripted narrative of, uh, of you know, we have to have my wife, I have to have a girlfriend. Like, if you stack sides and you get into Bitcoin and you take care of yourself, and you and you really are aware of friction and understand how to kind of remove it and what your responsibility for it is, and you keep moving along, you you'll eventually get into places where you'll be attracted to and attract, you know, people that share your value system. And Bitcoin is a value system. So the longer you're in that, you're going to be surrounded by more people that that follow that same line of thinking, and you're just going to have healthier relationships moving forward. It'll all take care of itself. Man, that's perfect. And just as much as all over the place. Just as much as getting married is having kids, you know. I, I've been stacking, stacking sats for my little one since since before he was born. You know, it, it, it's important because I don't see any other way of him having any money. If I if I put the same amount of money that I put away from every single month in a bank account, it's going to be worth sweet fa when I you know when it gets to a time where he wants to spend it, and you know. I just think it's important that, you know, once you do get married and, and you know, you're looking to have a family to, to start putting Bitcoin aside for your children. Um, I've got another little one on the way as well. I'm already stacking for him and he doesn't even know it. You know, it's um, brass brother. Yeah. Just to kind of, to kind of flesh that out a little bit. The reason why I say marriage and, you know, to Noodle's point, uh, you know, having children works on your time preferences because it puts you in a position where you have to look past yourself and look beyond tomorrow. And that instantly gives you a lower time preference. That doesn't mean that you have to be married and have to have kids, you know, to achieve the same goal. Anybody within your care can put you in that mindset. Because when it comes down to it, as a guy was getting on, the whole point of the game is improving quality of life. Whether that be for those within your care now or for yourself or those within your care down the street, which is where the time preference comes in. So when it really boils down to it, you can't forget why you're in the game. You're in the game to improve quality of life. If you're not doing that, you're literally wasting your time. doesn't matter how many sats you're stacking. 
but yeah, by, yeah. and Lawrence, by doing so individually, you also give your peers and your friends and your family the um, the freedom or the like philosophical freedom to kind of follow in your footsteps, and, the, and you you provide a uh, a solid um, point of reference or lead by example opportunity. At the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's all about our relationships with other human beings, right? That's really what matters the most. I want to shout out to Stack and Sats, who's in the audience. She's uh, she's my partner. Awesome. There's nothing like going through life with somebody who has the same values as you. It's good stuff. Yeah, yeah and on that note, one Sorry, thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah. One thing that I always try to say is, um, you know, we talk about this all the time um, in so many different pieces and things that the only two things in your life that are scarce are Bitcoin and time. <clears throat> the the amount of time that you have and the amount of Bitcoin that you're going to be able to get. So when you're stacking sats, everything should be, everything should be valued and understood in the amount of time that it is costing you. And it, we should treat our time in the exact same way with the exact same preciousness and seriousness as we do our bitcoin because we could just as easily spend the next 30 years stacking sats and putting off everything that matters to us because we think we're going to be super rich and then we're old and rich and that's great but we lost the time to do what we wanted to do in our life 100 that is the trade-off never God. forget the time the, the time that it costs to get there a hundred percent. And there are times, and, and look, I think Lawrence knows this, Ant probably knows this thing. I've, I've told this story before with Alex too. You know, we, we all talk about stacking sats, stacking sats, and, you know, not spending our Bitcoin. But there are certain times in life where you have to do that. And for those that haven't heard this story, um, you know, my firstborn, we, we, we tried for years to, to have our first child, weren't successful. And, you know, luckily enough, I had bought Bitcoin, you know, early enough to, to get in a, a very good price. And that's the reason why I've got my little son now. We had IVF and um, it's the reason why we got another little one on, on the way too. So th there are times in life where, you know, it's no good having a stack of Bitcoin if you look back on your life and have regrets. And I can tell you now I have zero regrets in funding IVF via Bitcoin. He is our Bitcoin baby. We've got another Bitcoin baby coming. So it's just a, it's just saying that basically, you know, you're on this planet once. And yes, we would all like to have, you know, a, a nice amount of wealth and live comfortably, etc. But don't forget the here and now because that's really important. And I think for future conferences, we're going to need like, daycares and stuff i got one i got a a little one on the way uh like three months three yeah congrats I'm man just shy of three months congrats so guy i'll be i'll be joining you in the dad clan congrats I'm, I'm yeah, we, we must be you. we our wives must have similar due dates so I, I think mine is is june the 12th i think something like that may 15th this, yeah, is yeah. When, this is when it's i start like an old man up here man i mean you guys talk about all these fresh new babies congratulations to all of you I got mine are off in college, and I I, I got a ten year old. But <laughs> kids are so important, man. It really does make you think. And helping those young kids understand that it, you know when they get Bitcoin and they can learn their financial literacy, and Bitcoin is a part of that journey for them. It is so cool to see kids understand and jumping at Bitcoin and the way that they choose to do things in their life. 
they actually do think about how it affects their Bitcoin holdings, right? They, they understand that. They want to save. They, they don't want to go out and, and waste money. Like my daughter goes and shops at Goodwill. Like it's like. <laughs> That's it, awesome. It, because why would you spend money on crap, right? So when young kids do that and all of a sudden, I, I would have loved to have a Bitcoin. You know, if Bitcoin was in place when my kids were three, four, five years old, um, you know, we could have the discussion about why going to Toys R Us and buying, you know, the the little the little figurines of the week, whether it was what was the, the little car company or pixel crap or whatever that is, it's all plastic crap, right? And when kids like can play in Bitcoin and play Shamri and and do these different, you know, get some bit bit monopoly. I mean, all the cool things coming out for kids to learn Bitcoin. Let's go, you guys. That's all the right. other thing. Instead of earning Hold money, on. Hold up. Hold up. We're gonna switch gears here for just a minute. We got about 13 minutes left in today's show. I want to welcome up Martha Bueno. I'm going to read a little bit from her profile. She's a candidate for commissioner of Miami-Dade District 10. But what's interesting to me is her pinned tweet. She goes, when my father was 21, he was sentenced to six years in prison for attempting to leave his country of Cuba. A year into his sentence, my fearless mother, she sounds like a badass, broke him out of jail. You might want you might want to trade your freedom for safety, but I sure as hell don't. Martha, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me, uh, for letting me come speak. And it's so fitting that you read that tweet, because that's kind of what I wanted to switch gears and talk about. Um, and I see that uh, Bitcoin Magazine is here in this space, so that's really exciting, because yesterday they announced that they are going to have Eric Jose Garcia uh, at Bitcoin 2022, he is a Cuban government operative. And I am pretty sure that the organizers don't know that or are not very aware of what that means. But as a community that is, you know, believes in freedom, especially freedom for government, having him come onto the stage with um, so many people that are here fighting for freedom is an insult, especially in the community that Bitcoin 2022 is going to be hosted, which is Miami. This is the largest diaspora of Cubans who have fled the island because of the government. And the government hey, is a wallet that the government... Yeah. Can I jump in? Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, you yeah. tweeted that 45 minutes ago. I'm not involved in actually the the, pro, the process of, uh, of confirming speakers. Um, but Nick Carter DM'd me and I forwarded your inform your your Twitter handle, the tweet thread that you put out uh, to the programming team already. So like we're doing everything that we can to like gather information, respond to what you're saying. Uh, so I mean we're 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 doing everything Perfect. we can already. So uh, I don't think you, you need to uh, to go into that. And and I guess you know I, I don't know about your claims regarding this person, but this person has been educating people about Bitcoin tech online for a very long time. So um, you know I think that's very much what fueled us bringing him on. But I, again, I don't know the details of what you're claiming here or, yeah. or any of that. So but I mean, obviously, the, the like, issue you, with, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just going to say the issue with him particularly is not the work he's done Look, I don't to wanna, educate people. Martha, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but I don't want to rabbit hole the yeah. conversation. we got 10 minutes left and I don't want to be talking about uh, sure enemy government operatives for the last 10 minutes of our show i do appreciate you bringing it up and uh you know the cool thing about the bitcoin community is is that people are searching for the truth people want to know the truth and uh 
Bitcoiners are not afraid to to talk about stuff and seek the truth. That's the one thing I love about Bitcoiners. So do appreciate you bringing it up. I'm sure CK's team is on top of it. We'll just take uh, it. From feel there. free to DM me directly, Martha. Yeah, was the thread was the thread just posted? I'd like to read it. Yeah, it was like forty five minutes ago. Okay, on Martha's right. page. Martha, tell us something exciting and optimistic about what's going on in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Oh, you're caught in the matrix. We can't hear you. Damn it. Well, I'll tell you what, Martha. Um, we can't hear you right now because your connection uh, maybe is messed up. I promise you. Okay, I'm not. And if anybody has any questions. Space always fails to... at critical times. Yeah, I'm going to invite you to come back and talk to us, Martha, some sometime in the future because I I want to hear about you have Bitcoin in your profile. I want to hear about your story. I want to hear about what you're what you got going on, all that kind of stuff. So hopefully we'll have you back sometime. Can I ask a question about um, this whole Hong Thank Kong? Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. And that part comes in clear. <laughs> the, 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 the last three words <laughs> they they come right through. Spaces is a psyop, dude. <laughs> he started note. talking about operatives, and they're like, "Oh man, we got to screw this connection up." Uh, you know, all it, I know it, is, is that I want to do uh, stacking sats at Bitcoin Jam session probably once a week. And uh, when we do that, Guy Swan, you're expected to show up every time so that we can pump the price with the um, stock to my. Stock to follow, yeah. <laughs> stock, the stock to follow report. That's a that's a heavy responsibility, but I'll I'll see what I can do. <laughs> <laughs> can I ask a question about um, this Hong Kong coddle thing? Sorry if it's already been um, asked, but does anyone know the actual logistics of how I think they've raised almost three quarters of a Bitcoin right now? More. Does anyone know the logistics as to how they're going to actually get that out to the truckers, how they're going to buy stuff for the truckers, et cetera, if there's any transparency on any of that before I start sort of, you know, sending stuff? You ought to talk to BTC Sessions or Greg Foss or um, Jeff Booth about that. I don't know, so I'm not going to speak to it. CK, do you know? Uh, I just know that those gentlemen are involved, and that's the that's like the main credibility I understand behind that account. Um, I personally donated, uh, some sats to it yesterday, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know any of those details and I mean, I, I don't want to like give GoFundMe an excuse or anything like that, but their claim for why they froze the fiat funds is because of, you know, not knowing how the funds are going to be dispersed as well. So, uh, you know, it sounds like generally speaking, that's still something that, you know, people are trying to figure out is like who controls this money, how's the money getting used, that kind of thing. But um, yeah, I mean, those are all very credible Bitcoiners. So, um, you know, I, I generally, you know, trust them, but it's very much a trust reputation type thing. Yeah. If you're talking about the one on Tallycoin, um, I donated a hundred bucks to it yesterday. I was thinking of throwing in some more today, but it's, it is directly to BTC sessions. Like right now, like he's, I know at least he's part or whatever it is, or at least the lightning stuff is connected to his um his node uh and he said he had uh somebody asked him and he and i can't remember i think he tagged somebody he said that 
so-and-so is our person on the ground out there who's talked with a bunch of the truckers and stuff, and uh, they're going to be partly in charge with someone else of distributing the funds. I don't know specifics, but I don't know. I know BTC Sessions really well, and I personally trust him. So, Yeah, I mean, those why, guys have credibility. Like, okay, good. So. okay, good. Sessions is doing it. <laughs> Yeah, for real. They, they they got credibility. I mean, that's enough now. I'm I'm gonna send some sats their way. Nice one. Cheers, guys. All right, so we got about five minutes left in the show. I want everybody who's on the panel, if you start thinking about closing comments, if you have any that you want to make. I just Lower earlier we were talking about I just real quick, we were er, earlier people were talking about like saving and stuff, and and I just wanted to give a real quick thing that I, that, you know, for, uh, like in a daily life that I do, which is, um, just the concept. And we talk about like all this stuff about, you know, like what this, you know, what they're doing to us and inflating the money and all this, but in your daily life, there's, there's like no shortage of people trying to steal your money. Like I say steal, but like, that's how I envision it. But like, they're like taking your money from you. It, it takes so, so long to make one dollar but it, it spends in like you know a fraction of a second sometimes you know and and it's ongoing whether you're like paying for something uh actively or you're just like sitting here you know in your office and you got to pay for all your lights and stuff it's just like it's it's a constant drain it's just the way this thing is set up and so long time uh you know low time preference behavior for saving and you know i, I don't want to you know it it can be easy. Like if you're, I, I know everybody's like financial situation is different and it can be easy to say like, I can't save. And trust me, like I grew up like super poor. I know all about it. And there was a point in my life where I was just saving like five, $10 a week. You know, it's like, you, you have to get that thing started. And it starts at the point of sale for me whenever I'm there, like in the store and I'm like, I want that thing. And it's, you know, you've heard that it's not like new advice, but I'm just telling you, you have to get in that conscious state of gestalt where you're just like, I'm not going to, you know, pay for this because I'd rather, even if you're not going to stack sats with it today, you just don't want that value to like disappear from your side so quickly. So that's, you know, one thing about saving, save that $5 a week, even if you, you know, if that's all you have, like do that, you know, get it started. That's such an important point. I'll just quickly add to that. And I mean, I think that um, really understanding that there is a there is a paradigm shift that's going on. It's a human condition shift of of chasing a carrot and and, you know, money that has been developed for you to spend as to what Ant's saying. I mean, it, this consumerism environment we live in, it's it's hardwired into us and it starts at a very young age, even back when I used to, you know, they, they said back on the TV I used to watch, they, they did polls up in Canada, I think, and, and a large percentage of the production money that made those shows for people to watch was, 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 was invested in by, by, you know, container, plastic container projects, uh, 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 companies. So, you know, it, it just be aware of where you're doing and how you're spending and, and start to shift over to this idea that you can save. I mean, $1 of Bitcoin a day on your cash app is, is a beautiful thing. Um, and, and just keep going. And then, and then as you do that, make sure you're learning how to protect the most valuable asset you will ever own. Let's go to take a ride. Cause I know he, they want to talk and then, uh, maybe, uh, Alex, I can wrap it up. I just wanted to clear up some of the information about the Canadian trucker front through the lightning node. 
Um, BTC Sessions is the one that set up the Lightning Node. Uh, Greg, um, Foss, and Booth, and Nobody Caribou are involved in the multi-sig. Nobody Caribou is the account, uh, the gentleman that's on the ground. He's the one with the sign that said, opt out, uh, get into Bitcoin. That's that's him. Um, he came Legend. into uh, one of our rooms the other day and uh, explained a lot of what was going on and um, I think this was before they, they refroze or it was rumor that they froze and then they actually did it. So, um, but Greg and, 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 uh, Booth are both in that multi-sig. So nothing can actually move without their, you know, permission, of course. Um, and they double check each other as you know, so we have, we have a little bit more of a layer of a trust there. Thank you for that update. Honestly, I, I do think that this trucker situation is uh, a perfect use case for Bitcoin. Uh, we knew that in, I think it was uh, Kenya, um, they, you know, there's a lot of activists that had their funds frozen. And then, you know, Bitcoin was already starting to pick up there because of how bad the fiat system is. And and it was it was huge for, uh, I think it was like the SARS protest. So, um you know, it would be incredible to see, you know, Bitcoin being relevant, you know, uh, in in the Western world uh, w with these truckers now that GoFundMe has has frozen uh, their funds. But, I, you know, hopefully GoFundMe gives them their funds. Um, but yeah, hey, Alex, Swan, uh, the Cafe Bitcoin team, really appreciate y'all having me. This was a fun chat. Really glad that we could talk Bitcoin conference. Uh, really glad that we could talk all things Bitcoin in general. So I uh, really appreciate y'all. Awesome. So we're going to wrap then. You've been listening to Cafe Bitcoin. We do this every day. Start at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern. We roll for about two hours. We talk about all things Bitcoin. Today's session has been Stack and Sats, a Bitcoin jam session. We've had some really cool guests come in. Awesome speakers. Uh, Bitcoin 2022. Promo code SWAN for 10% off. You want a job in Bitcoin? Bitcoinerjobs.com. Thanks to everybody who's been here. Thanks to the co-host, Bitcoin Magazine, Swan Bitcoin. Thanks to the speakers, CK Snarks, Guy Swan, thanks for showing up, bro. Stefan Lavera. Oh, sure, man, go ahead. The price is nice, but it's facts that stack sats. Learn how to hodl. Plan for the future and be patient. This is this is a bump, whether it's up or down, it doesn't matter. Just you know what to do. <laughs> you know what to do. What he said. Let's go. Let's go. I work with Swan Bitcoin. I'm a managing director of Swan Private. If you want to learn about Bitcoin, DM me. Happy to help you. And then finally, get on the mission, guys. If you don't know what that means, hang out in this space. You will figure it out soon enough. Love all of you guys. Everybody have a great day. Go out there and crush it. Bye, everybody.